Uh, my name is Dwight, if you don't know me. Uh, I am a first-year intern here at Chi Alpha, and soon I will be a second-year intern at Chi Alpha. Yes, yes. Uh, and I am from Medford, Oregon, which is about eight hours south of here. It's a long ways away. Uh, and I am the youngest of uh, three, so I have two older brothers, and I have a total of five nephews, uh, and they all live in southern Oregon as well. And I am a huge baseball fan. I love baseball. I love going to baseball, baseball games, everything like that. You have a baseball. That's awesome. Uh, anyway, but, but the Minnesota Twins are my team. That is why I'm wearing a twin shirt. Uh, and I'm excited because just in about, what, 10 days, they're going to be coming and doing a four-game series against Seattle. And so I plan on going to at least one of those games, hopefully two. So I'm excited. Um, hey, if I can get the Bible pastors to come up and pass out Bibles, I would appreciate it. Uh, if you do not have a Bible, go ahead and slip up your hands. We want to make sure that we get one to you uh, because we here at Chi Alpha believe that the Bible is the Word of God uh, and we want everyone to have it. And so if you don't have a Bible, feel free to keep this as a gift from us to you. So, uh, all right. And then we are going to be in Matthew chapter 18 tonight. Uh, but first, can I tell you a story? about my first international missions trip that I ever went on. All right, so I just graduated high school, uh, and our youth ministry was going to be going to San Luis Potosi, uh, Mexico, with another youth ministry uh, from Washington. And uh, so we went. Uh, I was excited. Uh, but on this trip, there was this girl. Yes. Uh, there was this girl that I really liked that I, that I went to church with. Uh, her name was Angie. Uh, we were like the only seniors that graduated that year, um, and so we went to different schools, but I really liked Angie, okay, and I did everything that I could to spend time with Angie, all right, and so on this trip, like any time that I would have the opportunity to be like on her team that was going out, I would try to be on her team, um, just like any excuse that I could have to like spend time with her, I tried to do, uh, yeah, I know, right? Uh, but I was on a mission trip. It wasn't exactly the point of it. Uh, and then one day, uh, <laughs> several people uh, had gotten sick, and she was one of them. And then I also was sick. Uh, and so, <laughs> so I, uh, so we did not go out and do mission stuff that day. We stayed back at the hotel. Um, and so I know it was bad. Uh, but really, it affected my ability to minister and to be ministered to while on this trip. I blinded myself to the responsibility I had to serve Jesus. I chose to serve my own interest. Now, on the plane ride home, my youth pastor came up and talked to me. Uh, and he said that during the trip, it was very noticeable uh, that I was trying to spend time with her and that even other people from the other ministry were asking if we were in a relationship, um, which we weren't. Um, and at one point, he, was he almost decided to just send me home on this trip because it was that big of a distraction. Um, and I'm very thankful that he didn't do that, uh, and he talked to me afterwards. But I knew my youth pastor loved me and that he cared about me. He wanted me to see the error of my ways, and he confronted me in a loving way. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for today. Um, God, I just pray that your words uh, would just speak out of me and... Uh, yeah, that you would just touch our hearts tonight, God. Just praise you and thank you. Amen. So have you ever been in a situation that you were blinded by your actions like I was? 
Maybe there was a time you couldn't see the effect it was having on those around you. Did anyone try and point out your wrong actions? How did that make you feel? Well, tonight I want to look at a passage in the Bible where Jesus tells his disciples and us how to deal with sin within a community of believers. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 18. All right, so starting in verse 15, uh, it says, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault, just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. So do you think... This passage is based on that God wants his people to be restored. How much do you or don't you believe this? Or do you believe that he just wants to punish us for our sins? Doesn't it seem like Jesus is teaching us that we should be reconciled with God, but also with each other? Now, one of the things that I've learned in studying the Bible, that context is very important. Uh, So I just want to, like, briefly look through what happens before this passage and then uh, after this passage as well. So in verses 6 and 7, Jesus warns us that if we cause little ones to stumble, our punishment will be harsh. That doesn't really seem fair, does it? Do you think one of our roles in life is to be stumbling block removers? We should do everything anything we can to remove stumbling blocks. Now let me ask you a question. I've been guilty of this, but I just want to ask you guys. Have you ever left your backpack on the floor and someone tripped over it? Has that ever happened to anybody else? Yeah. Well, did you know that a study was done regarding backpack-related injuries? I know. It's crazy. Like, they just do studies for everything. Uh, It's a little overkill, but really, it is kind of interesting. So the study was done by the National Electronic Injury Surveillance System, so the NEISS, of the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, the CPSC. Uh, So in this study, they found that 28% of all backpack-related injuries were caused by tripping over them. 28%. That's crazy. That just seems like such a high percentage, and it's so easily avoidable. Uh, you need, you need to be aware of your surroundings. Remove the obstacles that cause other people to stumble. But on a more serious note, we can cause another person to stumble by our hard hearts, by refusing to reconcile with them and to forgive them. It is incumbent upon us to therefore re- reconcile relationships. We need to forgive people and bring restoration. Now in verses 10 through 14, Jesus tells the parable of the 99 sheep and the one that went astray, emphasizing the importance of the individual person to God. Nobody is expendable. We are to act like Jesus, which is a pretty high bar, wouldn't you say? We are to image Jesus, 
We are to honor others and reflect the kingdom of God. I've loved this sermon series about the kingdom of God in Matthew, and it's been so great to see the kingdom of God played out in the entire uh, book of Matthew. But have you tried to help a fellow believer that was getting lost? Someone who started to question their faith? How did you go about helping them? Have you ever been like the one lost sheep? Did anyone come looking for you? Jesus is calling us to care for each member of the community. He places the responsibility on each of us individually. So immediately after our text in verses 21 and 22, Jesus tells Peter that the requirement for forgiveness is beyond calculation. So if someone wrongs us, we are to forgive them? Where do my rights come in? Where do my feelings come in? Where do my wishes come in? Doesn't Jesus care about me? Does Jesus understand what I am going through? Are we supposed to just be abused? On a side note, Jesus was. So then in verses 23 through 35, he continues the theme of forgiveness with a parable of the unforgiving servant, which makes the point that the God from whom we have received forgiveness expects us to extend that forgiveness to others. We owe God way more than any other human owes us. The debt we owe God is enormous. We must grasp total depravity, and until we do, we won't understand what Jesus did for us. Total depravity is the idea that human nature is thoroughly corrupt and sinful as a result of the fall. We won't have the heart to forgive others until we get this. We must act like a Christ follower. Without Jesus, I can say that I could commit any sin. Who else could come up with a yes to that? We can't function out of gratitude until we realize how grateful we are. Forgiveness is freeing someone of the punishment they deserve for their sins. Relationships, however, are built on trust and actions. A relationship will never be restored without forgiveness. But to have true restoration, more things are often needed too. Time, understanding the other person's perspective, letting the other person off the hook, we can't do this without the Holy Spirit, without the model of the community, without the word of God. We must die to our life. He must infuse our life to his So now that we have looked at Jesus' fuller teaching surrounding this text, let's really dive into our text. I'm going to reread 15 through 17. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. You know, something that I find really interesting uh, in the way that this passage begins is that Jesus uses an if statement. Uh, We see if statements all the time in the Old Testament. Uh, Moses uses a lot of them when writing different laws. Um, And he says, if then, so like all these like if statements. But do you think it might be because we humans don't always image God? Jesus wants to help guide us through our lives. 
he provided a really good solution on dealing with sin. And can I be honest with you? I am good at sinning. I don't want to be good at it. I just am. I constantly must die to myself and give everything to Jesus. How about you? So what is Jesus trying to teach us about dealing with sin? Do you think he is calling us to protect our brother or sister from gossip or slander? Jesus tells us to talk to them privately. Dealing with sin head-on sets us apart from the secular world, where people are more inclined to emphasize individual rights than our responsibilities to each other. In today's world, people often walk away from relationships quickly and easily. Have you ever decided to walk away from a friendship or relationship instead of trying to reconcile with the other person? Rather than allowing us to just walk away, Jesus calls us to explore possibilities that might lead to reconciliation. He outlines a deliberate, intentional process. He will not let us easily off the hook, but requires us to take initiative. Now, does this idea make anyone anxious like it does me? (laughs) This isn't easy, but we have the help of the Holy Spirit. If you are aware that someone within Chi Alpha is living in sin or doing things they ought not to do, did you know that it is not the job of the campus pastor to bring it up to them? Yeah, it's my job and your job to lovingly confront them. The idea isn't to bring shame upon them. Rather, it is to restore them. We are a community. Do you think it is more loving to allow someone to continue to sin or to come alongside them and help them. We must stop thinking about ourselves. We must think of ourselves within the context of a community. Do you or someone you know struggle with gossiping? How about lying? Maybe greed? What about masturbation or porn? Do you steal? Are you full of selfish ambition? Do you lust in your heart? Do you have a habit of partying and drinking more than you should? What about your neighbor? The list of sins go on and on. But there is hope, though. Jesus didn't leave us without hope. He wants us to be restored. He wants to help us. He has placed people in our lives that love us and want us to be image bearers of God. God is a God of restoration. When someone sins, what do you do about it? Do you talk to them directly or do you talk about it with other people? You know, gossiping is so prevalent in our society. It's so easy to go behind somebody's back and say, hey, did you know what this person did? Like, it's so easy to get caught up in that. Is that what you're doing? God, Jesus is telling us to do something completely different. So how often do you practice what Jesus said? How many of you go to your brother or sister and talk to them about their sin? I can't say that I'm great at this uh, all the time, and I can certainly be timid in my approach, but I understand that it needs to be done, and I'm willing to do it. But why is confronting sin so important? 
We are image bearers of God. Jesus understood this. We, are belie- we as believers represent him. We are part of his revolution to start a heavenly kingdom on earth. You know, in Genesis, uh, the story of Cain and Abel, when Cain kills Abel and God comes to him and says, uh, where is your brother? And how does Cain respond? He says, am I my brother's keeper? You know, I think Jesus answers this question for us. Jesus is telling us that it is up to us to help our brothers and sisters to turn from their sin and return to him. Paul gives us a lot of examples of how we are to treat each other. Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Romans 14.13 says, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Now even Paul is telling us to not be stumbling blocks. Hebrews 10.24 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So how many of us want to go around pointing out other people's sin? So much easier than dealing with our own. Uh, But, you know, in the Bible, uh, doesn't Jesus say to take the plank out of our eyes? Doesn't he say that just earlier in Matthew in chapter 7? How can we point out sin in someone else when we are all sinners? Isn't that judging them? Well, first, we need to check our own hearts and deal with our own sin. We certainly need to have self-awareness of ourselves, but also have an unselfish concern for others. You must ask yourself, why am I confronting them about their sin? What is the motivation for bringing it up? What is the goal in every conflicted relationship? If it is to make yourself look better, you need to check your heart. If your motivation is to see them restored, you have the right heart. And ultimately, forgiveness is key. Why do you think forgiveness is key? What happens when the person doesn't repent when confronted, though? What's the next step? You know, as Jesus tells us, you know, they may not think they are doing anything wrong. It is possible that they are completely oblivious to the fact that they are sinning, uh, or they just don't care. You know, all things are possible. But Jesus tells us that we are to meet with them again, but this time with two or three others who are believers. They should exhibit the same love and compassion that you do, Uh, Ultimately, their role is to back up your concern and to endorse their assessment that the matter raised is really sin. The hope is that the struggling Christian realizes their need to change their ways. And then if they're not still not willing to repent of their sin, the issue needs to be brought up with the body of believers. And the way we do this here in Chi Alpha uh, is the the situation is brought up to the staff and they represent uh, the entire community. However, the person still needs to be freed to follow Jesus with all their heart. This is the last resort to try and get someone to see the error of their ways and to repent. If they are still unwilling to repent, Jesus tells us to treat them as a Gentile or a tax collector. 
basically that we ought to re-evangelize them and explain that Jesus has died to free them from sin. He rose from the dead and gave them the Holy Spirit to enable them to image God in this world. You know, sin gets in the way of us imaging God. Therefore, our sins must be dealt with. If we won't or can't do it ourselves, we need to get the help of others. And if sin isn't dealt with, it grows. And it will have a much bigger impact on the whole community than just the one person. Jesus was kingdom-focused, and we should be too. Keeping someone who is unrepentant in the body may cause other people to stumble. And didn't Jesus tell us just a few verses ago that we shouldn't cause people to stumble? Again, confronting sin comes down to seeing restoration happen. Jesus wants all of us to be restored. Let us be reconciled to him. Do you believe that God wants to see everyone restored? I think that if he didn't, he wouldn't have given us these many opportunities to repent when our sin is brought to our attention. What do you think? Our goal isn't to condemn our brothers and sisters. It is to love them. God showed us the full extent of his love by sending his son to die on the cross. He didn't send Jesus to come accuse us or condemn us, and we shouldn't try and do that to others either. Now, let's look at the final three verses in this teaching. Uh, Verse 18 says, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Now, have any of you ever been confused about this text? What is binding? What is loosing? Like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, but, but really, it's the idea of binding and loosing is used for declaring what is and is not permitted. Jesus is giving authority to the church to make decisions. Uh, Such authority to declare what is and is not permissible will, of course, have personal consequences for the person judged to have sinned. Doesn't that seem like a big responsibility? Luckily, as a community, we aren't making this decision alone. In prayer, we have the Holy Spirit guiding our our decision. The authority and the answers to prayer come from heaven, not from the church establishment, but wherever some of God's people are together on earth. We see a picture of the community praying either for the person whose sin has been brought to light or for more guidance in their corporate decision as to how to deal with the sin. This isn't a promise of divine endorsement, but of divine guidance. When dealing with sin in the church, we must pray for guidance. Jesus tells us that when we bring the charge of sin to him, he is faithful in helping us. Jesus wants those caught in sin to be restored. Do you? God is present in dealing with sin. Seek him when dealing with it. Do you believe that? Jesus is called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And I think it is so cool that in verse 20, he tells us that he is with us in this decision-making process. We are not alone. Now, in the book of John, 
Jesus prays for his disciples, which is a disciple of Jesus. We are included in this prayer. How cool is that? Uh, so in John 17, uh, 6 through 19, but I'm only going to read through uh, 12, uh, Jesus says, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. So in verse 11, Jesus prays that we would be one with the Father. We need to place our focus on the Father, on the kingdom of God. There is so much power in prayer. So how many of us have ever gotten our knees asking for forgiveness? How many of us have prayed fervently to help our brothers or sisters turn from their sin? How desperate are you to find the lost sheep? So as I conclude, if I can get the worship team to come back up. We are responsible for every other Christ follower. You know, like my story of my missions trip, my youth pastor's main goal was for, to see me, to, to have me see the error of my ways and to repent, thus being restored. So let me ask again. Do you believe that God wants to see everyone restored? We are all fighting battles. We all have sin that we struggle with. The enemy wants nothing more to have that sin tear up your life. For sin to die, it must come into the light. You are part of a community of people who want nothing but the best for you. There is nothing new under the sun. Confess your sins to one another. Don't be ashamed or embarrassed. You are not alone in this fight. Seek to be restored and to restore people. And you do this through prayer. So tonight I just have two reflection questions for us to, to go through tonight. The first one is, who is the Holy Spirit leading you to forgive? And the second one is, who is the Holy Spirit leading you to talk to about their sin? So as we think about this, and we're going to enter into a time of worship.